Let's pray before we begin. Lord please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. Preachers to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. And I hope that in these days of turmoil, I hope you can find some comfort when you come to First Baptist Church of Hammond. You know, things are happening so swiftly in our nation and in our world that it's hard to stay alarmed about any one particular thing very long. I mean, we're so wrapped up in Watergate investigation till now most of us have forgotten much of the Watergate investigation. The Mideast War took our attention off that. And God only knows the Mideastern War is a real keg of dynamite this morning. People say, whose side are you on? The Arabs or the Jews? That isn't it. The Arabs have as much a right to claim the land as the Jews, and I think the Jews is the Arabs. I guess I'm a, <laughs> tell us I'm a compromiser, a compromiser. But uh, the Arabs claim it through Ishmael, and they have a legal right to it. And the Jews claim it, claim it through Isaac, and they have a spiritual right to it. The truth is, the honest, simple truth is, uh, if you traveled in the Middle East, you'd learn to love the Arabs. Uh, the Arab people are, are much friendlier than the Jews. If you want to know, listen, I admire the Jews' spunk and so forth, but uh, the Arabs are delightful people. And um, But be it as it may, the war in the Middle East has turned our attention off Watergate. And about the time we started to get burdened about the war in the Middle East, then Mr. Agnew resigns, and, and we have to... That's, it, it's terrible when a war in the Middle East doesn't get the major headlines in the paper. Mr. Agnew resigned. Boys, keep your thing still on the front. Close your book, son. Hey, everything out of your hands now. Listen now, folks want to hear. So <clears throat> you have... Um, now all of a sudden we're, we're wrapped up in a Middle Eastern war, and Mr. Agnew resigning, and now... Mr. Cox and Mr. Richardson have resigned or been fired. And it looks like that this week, perhaps, if not this week soon, impeachment proceedings will be initiated in our House of Representatives toward our president. I mean, honestly, it's almost enough to drive someone batty, isn't it? What are you going to worry about? I mean, I wish to have things, these things where you can worry about something for two months and then start something else. But, you know, it's getting where a fellow has to make notes to know what to worry about anymore. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, uh, it's, uh, but it is, it's confusing. I went to bed last night with, with a confused mind. Uh, what's going to happen? At the time, we need to have our, Mr. and Mr. Kissinger is in, Russia, Moscow, talking to Mr. Brezhnev, and Mr. Kosygin is in Cairo, talking to the Cairo officials about peace. I mean, really, I'm about the only person in America attending to the store these days. But um, it, it, it is. It, it's enough. I mean, the most serene person in this room this morning is ruffled about the conditions of our day. And I thought I'd just lift a little scripture, or a little line out of the scripture. 
where the Apostle Paul said, don't be careful. He said, I would have you without carefulness. Strange statement. And he's tucked into a strange place in the Bible. Listen to this. He's talking about marriage. And he says, I would not have you to be careful. Judging from some of the fellows you girls have chosen, you haven't been much careful. I'm not even sure. Very careful. But he's talking about marriage. And Paul was not married. Uh, a, a boy went one time to propose to a, uh, a girl. She was the daughter of a pastor. And he said, I'd like, I'd like the hand of your daughter in marriage. And the pastor said, uh, Paul said, son, that he said, he said, you have any scriptural grounds for wanting to marry my daughter? Yes, he said, Solomon said, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And that's why I want to get married. And the pastor said, son, Paul said, it is better for a man not to touch a woman. Now, what are you going to say to that? And the young man stuttered for a while and said, I'd like to say this. He said, Solomon had 300 wives and Paul had none. Who do you think is the expert on the subject? <laughs> so he got the girl. And, uh, but right in the middle of this discussion of marriage... Paul, he says, now I'm talking now, uh, this is Paul talking. I'm not inspired now. This is not God telling me what to say. It is God leading me to say what I think. And Paul said to the church at Corinth in these crucial days, he said, I'll be honest with you, he said, it's better for some of you not to get married. Now he said, the reason is this. If some of you do get married, you're going to be more careful about minding how to take care of your wife, how to take care of the house, the needs, and so forth, and certainly nothing sinful about those things. But he said to some of you, I want you to be careful about nothing, or without carefulness, he said. Better translated, I don't want you to have any cares. What he really is saying is this. He's saying to some of you, the thing you ought to do is solely, wholly, and completely give yourself to the work that God has called you to do. And don't be careful about temporal matters. You know, we're bond servants. Suppose we're bond servants of Jesus Christ. Now, a bond servant was a slave who had finished his years of servitude. I mean, he could go free. But he loved his master. He did not want to, to, to uh, leave the home. And so he would go back to the master and say, Master, I know I can go free, but I'd like to stay here and continue being your servant. I'd like to be your servant all of my life. He was a volunteer servant. Now, we're called that in the Bible. We're bond servants of Jesus Christ. Now, a bond servant did not buy his own clothes. The master took care of that. A bond servant did not buy his own food. The master took care of that. The bond servant did not have his own debt. The master took care of all of that. The bondservant did not care for the temporal things of life. All he centered his life on was serving his master. That's all. Just to serve the master. Now, all these things, the food, the clothing, raiment, all these things were cared for by the master. Now, Paul is saying, we, as God's people, ought to be bondservants for Jesus Christ. That means I'm not to be careful about what I wear. 
That means I'm not to be careful about what I eat. That means I'm not to be careful about, about my money. That means I'm not to be careful about temporal matters. It means that I'm to wrap myself up in the service of God. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. I'm supposed to give myself wholly and totally to things of God. Most of us are far too worldly minded. I don't mean drinking liquor now. I don't mean going to nightclubs. I don't mean gambling. I don't mean living it up with wild women. I mean most of us are far too centered in our lives around things. I don't mean things that are wrong. I mean things that are right. Uh, go back to Matthew 6, 33. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, what things? Food. What things? Clothing. What things? Care. What things? Provision will be added unto you. Mr. Walker and I, Mr. Walker, who's your bank? And I, this week, we're over in Deerfield, and I was talking. We were talking to some fellows who, who uh, considering letting us borrow a considerable amount of money. In fact, our indebtedness will be way on up in, into the millions. Well, not way on up in the millions, but it'll be two or three million dollars probably. And that kind of, of money. And so Mr. Walker was bragging on me a little bit, I think, and he said, uh, "He said I'd like to tell you what Dr. House makes." As a salary, he said he makes eighty-four hundred and fifty plus his house and a car allowance. And the man said, "You ought to make more than that." And I said, uh, "Well, I said, uh, okay." I said, he said, "I mean it." And I said, "Now look, uh, when it comes to interest on the loan and so forth, you can tell us about that. When it comes to what I make, if that's a part of the deal, the deal's off. I decide what I make." And I've decided I'll make 100000 this year, by the way. But uh, anyway, uh, he said, uh, do you have any retirement? What kind of retirement plan do you have? And I said, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, okay, he said, frustrated. He said, uh, what do you have to supplement that? I said, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, look, folks, look. Do we have a heavenly Father or not? I mean, did He promise to take care of His own or not? I mean, is He able to care for us in this sin-sick, heart-sick, troubled, chaotic world? Is He able or not? It just seems to me, once and for all, we ought to decide whether or not our Father runs this thing. I mean, if he does, what's wrong? You've heard me tell the story, and I don't really want to tell it again, but, it, but it's so, so appropriate here. About the night I caught a plane going to Atlanta, Georgia, and sat down beside a little lady, and, and uh, she, uh, I spoke to her, and she went off, the only, only empty seat on the plane, and and little lady about 28 years of age had her hair rolled up, a diamond pin on her uh, sweater, and beautiful diamond ring on, on her finger. And, and uh, I, went off, I spoke to her went off to sleep. We landed in Cincinnati, Ohio. And she looked at me and she said, Mr., could I ask you a question? And I said, what? She said, how could you do what you did while you were asleep? And I thought, good night, good night. What did I do? I said, what did I do? And she said, you snored all the way. She said, we've been in a storm. She said, the plane's been almost turning over. It's been shaking. She said, while well, one of the stewardesses locked herself in the restroom, she was so scared. We've all had our heads in pillows and, and, and closed our eyes, and folks have been crying. And she said, even some folks have been praying. Now, that really is a bad storm. Some folks have been praying. 
She said, and there you over there going, all the time. How could you do it? To make a very long story short, and I'll not go into it again, but I simply said there are two reasons. The first reason is I fly 150,000 miles on this airplanes, on airplanes a year. But I said the second reason is my father owns this airplane. And she sat up in her seat, and she said, you mean your father owns this plane? I said, yes, he owns the Delta Airlines. She said, you mean that I'm sitting next to the air, the Delta Airlines millions? And I said, yes, an American Airlines. Her diamond pen turned to glass as she spoke to me. And she said, you mean I'm, I'm beside the Delta and United Airlines and American Airlines? I said, yes, and Braniff and Eastern and Piedmont. Of course, you don't have much if you have Piedmont, but Piedmont and Allegheny and, 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 uh, and Western. She said, who's your father? I said, my heavenly father. Now, let me just say something to my people this morning. There's a God in heaven. He's my heavenly father. If you're saved, he's your father too. Now, heed the admonition of the psalmist who said, fret not thyself because of evildoers. God is bound to take care of you. You have his promise, he will. You're his child. You have a right to his protection and provision. Now, don't fret and stew. Some of you dear young people, God bless you. Uh, you're worried about the future. There's many things you won't do. I'll say a word about that tonight. But, uh, but look, he's your father too. You say, well, how's I'm young? I'm growing up in this world of famine. Okay, he's the God who gave food to Elijah when Elijah was hungry. He's the God who fed the Israelites, three and a half million Jews, with manna every morning from heaven, with water from rock in Horeb. It's just time that God's redeemed people believed in God. It's time we stop to think, he's my father, he's rich, he loves me, he knows me. There's not a bit of use in this world for me to get upset and fret and be frustrated and worried and heartsick and, and have a nervous breakdown because Mr. Agnew happened to resign. Well, blessed be God, God made this world before there was a Mr. Nixon and before there ever was a Watergate and before there ever was a Mr. Cox or Mr. Elliot Richardson. It's just time the people of God put their trust and faith in the Heavenly Father and said, Father, we're not going to be careful about the things that are your business to take care of. Don't be careful about it. Don't be careful. Now, there are two things you ought to be careful about. In the first place, be careful about your soul. The Lord is saying here, get careful about spiritual matters, but don't get too wrapped up in material temporal matters. But be careful about your soul. Listen, what could be more important today than your never-dying immortal soul? In this time of turmoil, in this time when the world seems like it's shaking, like a fig tree and untimely figs dropping from her branches, in this time when it seems like that, that, that world war, I mean world war and atomic warfare, is only a breath away. This time where if we get the oil we need, we'll have to fight a war to get it. And this time where Soviet Russia pats us on the back and eats our wheat while we go hungry. At the same time, while she wants our wheat, she ships her arms to fight little Israel and to fight us. In this time when our president is tottering in the White House. And our way of government seems almost so insecure, we wonder what's going to bring us out of it. In this time when Jesus could come before sundown tonight, in this time it seems like the only hope in the world is Jesus to come. 
What in the world could be more important than to be that you see that your soul is right with God? Amen. Be careful about your soul. Be careful about your soul. Give yourself wholly to the task. Am I saved? If you don't know you're saved, know it. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, be sure. If you don't know you're God's child, know you're God's child. These are no days to hope or wish or, or try or work your way to heaven. These are days to be sure. Look, I'm his child. I've been born again. Now, my name is in heaven. He's my father. My soul, my soul, what else matters compared to being careful about your soul? Are you saved this morning? If Jesus came today, would you rise to lead him in the air? Or would you be left to suffer the unending torments of the unconverted? Know that you're saved. Know that you're going to heaven. Know that if Jesus came this morning, you'd rise to meet him. But there's something else you ought to be careful about. Be careful about your service for God. Be careful about your service for God. I said this morning in my Sunday school class, I taught on the end time war, and I said, Jesus is going to come tomorrow morning. Put all you got in the collection plate today. All of it. And you say, Brother House, what if he doesn't come? Well, we'll find something to do with it. But I'm simply saying, look, <clears throat> it does not matter a great deal in these days how much you own. Stocks and bonds, houses and lands. Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, he says the time is short. Persecution is heavy. He's saying, find the will of God. Find what God wants you to do. Something for God. His will. His purpose in life. And then do it wholly. Become absorbed in it. You know, you know what sin? I'd like for our church to rise above right and wrongism. I'd like for our church to rise above this matter. Brother, is there anything wrong with it? Listen, there are things that are not wrong for a second that a Christian should not do in this generation. For example, there, everything that hinders is bad. It may be lawful, but not, but, but not according to God's will. Not, not a matter of right or wrong. No man, no man can succeed in any chosen profession or field unless he gives himself wholly to the task of success. Now, that means many good things will have to go. We have some men in this room this morning who are doctors. We have some splendid Christian men in this church who are doctors. And uh, 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 at least two of them are in this room now. Now, these men gave themselves to study for medicine. I can recall when one or two of them were in school. And I in Cal Street or over here is medical school now. Now, there are things that aren't wrong that they've got to give up. Why? They've got to work day and night. They have to spend years in diligent preparation. Why? They have a goal in life. They have a purpose in life. Everything that is not, is, is not a part of the fulfillment of that purpose has to go. Good things have to go. You men that have businesses, if you're successful, you know. Man sat in my office of the day. Now, Ralph Fisk is here this morning. I'll just tell you, Ralph Fisk, one of our men, uh, moved to the south and got out of God's will. Everybody goes to the, uh, leaves Hammond, goes gets out of God's will. But, uh, not, but I'm serious. He got a business, and he was successful in his business, very successful. And he told me last night, Ralph, you told me last night. You said, preacher, I deposited so much money in the bank every Monday morning. But he said, here's the way I did it. We work seven days a week. 
seven days a week. Why, he said, if I took a half day off, usually my wife would work. I'd take a half a day. If she took a half day, I'd work at the minutes. We gave ourselves holy. Listen, I don't care what you're running, a hot dog stand or a medical center or a church. If you are going to succeed, you're going to have to give yourselves holy to whatever task you perform. And that's what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying in these days, Christian people ought not to be careful about the temporal. We ought to be careful about one thing and one thing only, and that is realizing we're not our own. We're bought with a price. Give everything we have to God. All of our lives should be centered on heavenly matters and not earthly matters, in these days especially. Would not be wrong for Dr. Billings and Brother Fist this morning. Brother Fist get up and say, Doc, let's have a little wrestling match, friendly wrestling match. And so uh, they take off their shirts and, and uh, started to, and here we are having a service. Anything, anything wrong with Fisk and Billings wrestling? Neither one of them could last 30 seconds. But, 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 but it's not the thing to do. Why? Because there's something more important going on here. Nothing wrong with them have, having a wrestling match. I'm simply saying it's time that God's people stop to realize a world is going to hell. A world is trembling. A country is about to perish. We've got to give ourselves to the task of God. We're far too wrapped up in earthly things. We're far too wrapped up in, in business matters and, and uh, houses and cars and, and, and food and clothing and, and, uh, and things that won't last if Jesus comes. Paul is simply saying, don't be careful. Don't be careful about that. Be careful to give yourself to the Word of God. Some of you Sunday school teachers that just take off on a weekend with no thought of that Sunday school class, and you wouldn't dare leave work for a, for a day and take a trip, but you'll leave Sunday school class for a day and take a trip. You need to stop and realize, Paul says, don't be careful about such matters. Be careful about the work that God's called you to do. You bus workers and bus captains and preachers and staff members and deacons and Sunday school workers and people of God, the work that we do on this corner, I don't care where you work, it's not as important as what goes on on this corner here. God's business is the biggest thing in the whole world. That job that God has given you to do, teaching that little class of boys and girls, riding, driving that bus route, working on that bus route as a captain, leading that singing in a department or a class, that job that God has given you to do, Demands everything. Be more careful about that than you would be where you work tomorrow morning. Don't be careful about the temporal. Be careful about the spiritual. <clears throat> he likens us to soldiers. A soldier. He said we're soldiers. A soldier doesn't go to a camp. And, and uh, where is a soldier here this morning? Where did he go? You here, sir? Soldier, raise your hand if you're here. Saw him a while ago. Balcony. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, ca a restaurant you own, soldier? You don't. What kind of business have you been on the side? Oh, no business on the side. Why? The Bible says a soldier does not entangle himself with the affairs of this world. Anything wrong with owning a restaurant? No, he's a, not, nothing wrong. But for him it is. Why? He's a soldier. His job is defending his country and giving himself to the... the now, by the way, that outfit you got, what store did you buy that at? Did you buy it down Jack Fox? If you did, I'll never go down there again as long as I live. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, the shoes you got on, did you buy those down at, at uh, Kenny's? I see. Who, who provided those things for you? 
I see. Why? The government did. Why? Because he's given himself to the service of the government. Now, if we give ourselves to the service of our commanding officer and soldiers of Jesus Christ, then don't you think he's bound to take care of us? Of course he is. Of course he is. The garment may be silk and bedecked with jewels, but it's a sinful garment if it keeps you from running the race. The burden that you bear, the load that you carry, may be full of diamonds, but it's sinful. It weights you down so you can't run the race for God as it ought to be run. Oh, I want a generation of people in this church who, as F.B. Meyer used to say, are are possessed with otherworldliness. Otherworldliness. Oh, we're so wrapped up in the world. I mean, wrapped up in partying and fun, fun time and pleasure time, and I'm not against those things. But God, help us to get the place in our lives where we say, the world is perishing. We've got to stay busy for God and give it all we have. If you told me 25, 20, 30 years ago, <coughs> 25, 26 years ago, 27 years ago, if you told me that I could ever live without baseball or softball, I'd have said, you're crazy. Well, I was a Christian. I was a soul winner. I was even pastor of a church, but man, I love, I love baseball. I was a semi-professional softball pitcher. Some of you folks have heard me tell how that I was pitching in the city league. Went down to Marshall, Texas, pastoring a church there. Somebody heard I was a softball pitcher. They came and asked me to pitch for the TNP Railway in the city league, the major league of the city. I pitched my first game. I gave, oh, either no hits or one, struck out 12, 13 men. We were... The team is in the middle of the year, and we rose to the championship game. And I was playing the championship playoffs against the team called the Texans. And the fellow got mad at me. He played first base, big tall fellow for the other team. He got mad at me and called me a dirty name. And I said, next time you come up, I'm hitting you right in the head. I was pastor of a church. I mean, I was going to pray for him after I hit him. I aimed at his head, and he ducked, and the bat hit the ball, knocked it down the first baseline. He and I collided on the first baseline. I put my glove on the, on the mound and never pitched a game that day to this. I still love it. I love it. I love baseball. I love sports. I had four tickets in my office yesterday to the World Series in Oakland. Four tickets in my office. In fact, they're still there. I had four tickets last Saturday to the World Series in Oakland. I'm a Willie Mays fan. I'd like to see Willie Mays in his closing days. But man alive, I can't be careful for that. Dr. John Rice is out in San Francisco today. And I said, Dr. Rice, I got four tickets to the World Series. that yesterday. I got four, and today I got four tickets to the World Series on, on Saturday. Take them. He said, I've got too much to do. He loves sports. He used to be a football coach. He loves sports. I'm not against sports. I'm not against partying. I'm not. Against, but there are a lot of look. There are a lot of things. If a building is burning, let's suppose this building burns, and all of a sudden we're trying to pull old ladies and and crippled folks out to safety. If it, if it starts to burn, I'm not going to pull you out for safety. I'm going to run out right quick and pray for your safety as, uh, from the outside. But but all of a sudden, brother Fist says, "Hey, brother Sully, how's everything to mission?" Sit down and talk a while. No time to talk. 
It's a building burning. By the way, it's time some of you folks decided to give God everything in your life and quit piddling around and playing around while a whole nation's about to go to the devil. Some of you folks won't even be in church tonight and America's about to perish. Some of you folks on Wednesday night don't even know whether we have church or not and America's about to perish. Listen, other worldliness. Paul says don't be careful about the things of this world. Let me tell you what I mean. I, I'm missing Mr. Walker a lot today because he and I have been together some this week. We were driving back from the conference we had, young people. We are driving back from the conference we had last Friday afternoon over in Deerfield. He began to tell me how he came to this church. He said he went to another church in the area. And he became dissatisfied because of a lack of convictions. He began to look around. He said the last place he wanted to go was First Baptist Church of Hammond. Now listen to this. The kids especially because this has deals with you. He said the last place he wanted to go was this church. <laughs> that's, where, that's what everybody says. And it's usually the last place they go. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, <clears throat> but he said, Mr. Baldwin kept saying, uh, come visit. Well, I didn't want to go. I went to other churches, looked around other churches. But I didn't want to go to First Baptist Church. And he said, one Wednesday night I came alone. I mean, my wife wasn't with me. I just came. And I sat back in the back with Mr. Baldwin, I think he said. And he said, when the teenage choir walked out, and I saw those girls with decent length skirts, and those boys with haircuts, this man who's vice president of the Hoosier State Bank said, I sat back there and wept all during the service. He said, I didn't know anything like that existed in our day. And he said, it was when I saw those clean-cut kids, those boys with old-fashioned haircuts, and those girls with skirts covering their thighs. He said, I said, that's the church. God wants me to join. What is he saying? He's saying that there's a church left that's not wrapped up with the fashions of this world. There's a church left that's not wrapped up. We're trying to act like a heathen world. We don't have to copy the world in the way we dress when we come to church. We don't have to copy the world in the way we talk our lingo and our magazines. We're to be wrapped up with an other worldliness. Be not careful about the things that will pass away with the coming of our Savior. Be careful about those things that will never die. The Word of God and the work of God and soul winning and doing the things that God has called us to do. That's the thing. That's it. That's it. So may I say to my people this morning, don't fret. Don't fret. My father said if we'd seek first his kingdom, all these things be added to us. He said one day Jesus was talking to some of his people. They got worried. You know, nervous. Everybody's nervous. I spend my life talking to nervous people. Makes me nervous. Everybody's nervous. Jesus was talking to some nervous disciples one day. All of a sudden... He saw a little sparrow taken off. He said, hey, 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 fellas, look at that. He didn't put it in these words, but about, he said, what kind of insurance do they have? Huh? 
Huh? Yeah, I know. So I reckon they have retirement policies? I said, I wonder, uh, wonder if they have deep freezes, freezers. Right? No. I said, I wonder, wonder how they make it. <laughs> I know they have social security. No. Uh-uh. You know, the birds got together and decided to go together and form a social security deal. And they called it medical air for the caged. You didn't like that, did you? Jesus said, look at those birds. Who feeds them? My Father feeds them. He said, if my Father feeds those birds, don't you think he can feed you? Then he said, hey, look at that little lily. Little lily. And now, not the kind of lily we use on Easter. It's just, the lily was the, like a dandelion. You found them everywhere and wish you couldn't find them anywhere. Lilies of the field. Field lilies, they called them. He said, hey, who, told, who, who made that lily so pretty? He said, my father did. He said, if my father can clothe those little lilies and if my father can feed those birds that fly through the sky, why can't my father take care of you? So when I say to my people, just get busy for God. Be careful about nothing. Don't have cares and frets. I want there to be a bunch of folks in the city of Hammond, Indiana, (laughs) that don't fret. Some fret notters. Fret notters. Why? He's our father. He's our father. Father, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. He's my father, so they're mine as well. Everything he has is mine. It's all mine. And he's my dad. To my people, may I say, don't worry about Mr. Nixon. Paul wrote this when the wicked Emperor Nero was head of the empire. If Paul could say this through Nero, you and I can say it through Nixon. Huh? And then to those who are not God's people, be sure you're saved. Be careful about your salvation. Be careful about service for God. But the rest of it, Don't be careful about it. He is our Father, our Heavenly Father. Thank you for listening, and if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.